welcome to the latest Placetech podcast. I'm your host, Paul Unger, editor of Placetech. In this episode, I'll be talking with Stefan Schmidt, Symbiosis Solutions Manager at HB Revis, European workspace provider which has made a name for itself as not being afraid to try new things in the name of improving real estate. Welcome to the show, Stefan. Thanks, Paul. It's really, uh, really great to be here. Um, should we start by looking at, at where we are at the moment as we head from one tumultuous year into another, hopefully uh, a bit more planned, but equally uh, interesting year ahead? Um, what's going on in the world of workspace right now? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really great question and, and one that probably a lot, of, uh, a lot of professionals around commercial real estate are asking themselves right now. As you mentioned there, 2020 was, was, was a completely unprecedented year and you know, we had a, a really weird experience where all of a sudden we had to work from home and that seems to have stuck a little bit as well. People who've uh, previously maybe thought they couldn't work from home now feel like they can work from home and equally organizations that treated it as a maybe a treat on a Friday to allow their people to, to have a smoother transition into the weekend are now seeing that they can be very effective having a, a greater share of the time spent there. So I think what we'll see slowly but surely as we make progress through the through the vaccine rollout and we see people generally come back to the work and maybe during the middle and, and towards the end of the year we'll see an evaluation of, of uh, the businesses and you know, how much space they actually need what kind of space they need and that'll then sort of medium to long term affect the the kind of leasing deals that are made so it's it's really still discovery i think at the start of this year and then i think we'll start seeing towards the end is, is some new new models maybe, some new workspace models popping up like the hub and spoke and, uh, and perhaps some, some changes in the way that we, we treat workspace more generally. Yeah. Before we talk about how HB Revis and, and Symbiose has been responding, for, the, for those that don't know, just introduce us to, um, to the company and to Symbiose. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you did a brief introduction there before. Uh, HB Revis is an international workspace provider, as, as you'd mentioned. We're originally headquartered in, uh, in Bratislava in Slovakia, which is, which is quite unique, I think. And um, most of our presence is actually throughout Central Europe. So, we, you know, we're very significantly focused on uh, on Poland, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Hungary, but also have a really, really great growing presence over here in the UK and, and Germany as well. And um, HP Rivers really is, is all about, you know, providing the best possible premium workspace to our customers. And, and we do that by focusing on uh, our three P's framework, which is people, productivity and planet. And um, yeah, like you said, we're we're not afraid to try new things, and I think that's what's really helped helped us set ourselves apart and set our product apart in the marketplace as well. Absolutely. And and how did you get involved, and and uh, and what's your role? So I work specifically for Symbiosi. Symbiosi is one of HB Revis's service offerings, and really it's a, a smart workspace solution that improves employee well-being through digital experiences. So we have workspace apps and interfaces that are really focused on enhancing collaboration and helping your employees save time and, and improve their effectiveness around the space. In addition to that, we have a lot of really interesting IoT components. So we integrate with various IoT partners and uh, we use that uh, or those IoT components to measure things like occupancy or air quality and then provide that information back to the space taker and uh, to help them improve the space at the end of the day. Okay, and and is Symbiosi available in all of the HB Revis office buildings that you've got? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's something that our um, our customers have access to as soon as they come into a space and they decide to lease contract with us. 
they can uh, opt into Symbiosis, and, and we have a whole range of product solutions, whether that be purely software-based, so you have meeting room control or, or, or mobile apps. We can put the IoT into your space, and we can do the data analytics for you as well, or, or you can do that yourself, depending on what your preference might be. Okay, and is this for traditional offices, or are you in, in the flex co-working space as well? It's a really interesting question, actually. So it, it was originally designed for traditional offices and uh, specifically for HB Revis buildings. We took a decision at the start of last year to approach the wider market. And we have now one of our first projects and deployments outside of HB Revis properties as well. And there is definitely some interest from, and I won't name them now, but from some flex providers who see the value of having this kind of turnkey technology offering, if you like, as part of what they're doing for their customers as well. Right, right. Okay. Um, and, and in terms of your priorities, the sort of business plan for 21, um, what's what's on the product roadmap? What's the sort of rollout for, for new space? Yeah, no, I think, well, starting with the, starting with the latter part. So we've, um, we've got some really exciting new projects that we're going to start rolling out uh, at the beginning of this year. We've got, a, we had a good win in Germany, in Berlin, and one of our buildings we're going to be doing a big deployment and uh, equally we've got an exciting new sort of partnership opportunity coming up with a large French company who I'm really excited to announce that, but I can't name quite yet. Um, and then beyond that, I think, you know, we, there's a, there's a whole range of sort of technology features that we're working on. We're doing some new IOT integrations. We're, uh, we're looking at Kytera at the moment who are probably going to become our sort of reset well-certified air quality monitor of choice. Kytera are a really, really brilliant company. They're, um, they're sort of based out of Switzerland, Canada, China, and uh, they, they produce really high quality air quality monitors. It's, it's a topic that's extremely close to my heart. And uh, I actually did a lot of testing with the UCL in my previous role, looking at different commercial air quality monitors. And, and the two that came out really strongly against laboratory grade equipment were the Kytera and the AWARE monitors, which are also two of the ones, coincidentally, that are, that are RESET certified. Yeah. And do you think this is something that is is going to be a real concern or do you think it's just a, a, a fad whilst we're in, in the pandemic and hasn't really got that, uh, you know, the long term legs in terms of air quality monitoring and, and cleaning? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, I've been really close to air quality even prior to the pandemic. And I think because of the, the new focus that we've seen in the industry on health and well-being, the importance of air quality has really moved up the agenda. It's really in line with a, with a wider societal trend, I think. There's been so much more focus on, on health, mental health, nutrition for, for a number of years now, really. And I think that the air quality is, is a logical next step. If you think about what we actually consume, you know, you consume by a factor of, of 30 to 40 times more air a day than you do water or, or food. So the quality of the air that you put into your body is going to have a pretty significant impact on your overall health as well. Yeah. And, and it's not just um, the, the sort of airborne um nature of of, of the, the infection that we're we're living with in society at the moment but there, there are other factors that have been pushing the uh the focus and concentration onto air quality as well aren't there globally yeah absolutely i think the the two big ones are uh, are co2 concentrations which is not all that new a lot of buildings have had co2 sensors as part of sort of legacy bms systems for quite some time but then particulate matter is the other one. And, and particulate matter is, I think, of real interest because of the potential health impacts that it has. You know, there's a, a lot of interesting research on uh, developing countries where particulate matter concentrations are very high because they still use coal burning stoves for as a primary source of heating and, and cooking. And 
we've got a much higher incidence there of, of child defects uh, at birth and, and cancer. And actually, what was probably the most interesting development of the last two years around particulate matter was the increasing prevalence of wildfires in California. Hmm. We then saw California becoming one of the most polluted areas in the world of the back of particulate matter rather than, say, your traditional uh, big names like Beijing or, or Delhi. And I think that really woke up a lot of people in the Western world to to those impacts and, and, and maybe um, will be a big contributor to, to how we see air quality in the future as well. Yeah. And, and is that something that when when you're approaching that as a as a landlord, is that a very expensive thing to tackle? Is it is it a a, a long painful process, or is it quite a, a you know a quick and easy and smooth integration into your to your space around air quality monitoring? No, not at all. Actually, I think the um, the prevalence or the frequency of the monitors that you place is is entirely up to you, um, and it depends on how you value indoor versus outdoor pollution sources. Most particulate matter pollution does come from outdoor sources, and in London specifically, or in European cities, that would be largely from road traffic. Mm. Um, a simple upgrade to your filtration system can can really make a massive improvement to your air, and then having some ongoing monitoring in place, whether that's you know, a couple sensors in your incoming ductwork or a couple sensors in your uh, in the open plan space itself, that's already making a huge difference and it's going to allow you to react appropriately if there is an incident uh, that, that requires reaction to. Okay. And um, are, are there other interesting sort of uh, innovations? Uh, you mentioned IoT. Um, are, are you using that for, for other sort of monitoring and uh, user experience uh, sort of uh, implementations as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the really interesting things that, that we do at Symbiosi, which perhaps sets us apart from many of our, our competitors, is that we have this, this component looking at collaboration, physical collaboration in the space. You might be familiar with uh, Microsoft My Analytics. If you receive those emails, where it tells you basically who you've been working with on, on Teams and, and via email, kind of an, an idea of your collaborative network. And what we've been doing with, with one of our IoT partners, Kupa, who are a, um, a Bluetooth indoor positioning company out of Finland, is that we've been coming up with these physical interaction maps. So we can basically understand how different departments are interacting within the physical space. Is your finance department speaking to your product department or your construction team speaking to your design team what's been really interesting is that we've been now able to compare our physical versus our digital interactions post or sorry pre and post lockdown so we can see how collaboration in our organization hb rebus has changed as a result of this work from home trend and that's that's really opened up some interesting insights because what we can see is that sort of project collaboration has stayed very strong say you and i were working together on a specific building uh, we're still talking every day, you know, we're exchanging documents, emails, but other teams that maybe interacted more organically, uh, those, those sort of interdepartmental water cooler moments, if you like, those have completely disappeared. And we think that spells a really interesting story for collaboration and, and, and as a result, innovation in the uh, in the space. You know, we know that, that office spaces are really important for nurturing company culture, for nurturing innovation. By taking away that that ability to run into someone accidentally or talk about a funny video that you saw last evening. I think we're really, really kind of putting a nail into the coffin of that organic idea generation in the office space if we're, if we're not present. So, so, so how do you respond? Is that something that you're exploring as, as a business to try and regender that, uh, those collaborative moments? 
Yeah, absolutely. So what we've been doing is, is we've been looking to help our clients use that data to navigate this kind of work from home revolution. As they're uh, thinking about how they're going to reoccupy their spaces, we can help them understand which teams maybe have struggled to collaborate effectively since working from home. And then as a result, prioritize those teams coming in, meeting face to face, and hopefully kind of reigniting that spark between them. Okay. Um, and energy is is something that um, is on a lot of developers and users' agendas um, at the moment. And without the pandemic last year, sustainability and energy efficiency would probably have been the main uh, sort of item on the business agenda. Um, it, it, is that something that, that you're addressing with, uh, with, with, with your, your products and services? It's definitely something that HP Rebus is engaging very strongly with. And we've had a series of pilot projects that we've been doing with, uh, with technology companies through our venture into PropTech initiative. But actually, I think um, as part of our roadmap for this year, we've been looking at which sustainability use cases we want to bring in. And perhaps the question for us is whether or not that's something that we would look to develop ourselves or whether we should be partnering with someone who's in the market. Because if there is anything, I think, which is reasonably well advanced, uh, already in the in the property technology space, it is that that energy piece. There's a lot of really good energy management solutions out there already, and I think um, trying to replace them would be would be perhaps um, counterintuitive. We'd be better off working together with some of them, and, and perhaps even adding in some of our data, like the occupancy, like the air quality, to improve what they're offering as well. Yeah, and is there anything that you've seen around those digital energy management systems that particularly? excites you as somebody that follows the whole sort of digital built world um i think what's interesting is that we're everyone thinks that the the issue with implementing energy efficiency or, or technology-based energy efficiency solutions is, is the technology itself but it's actually more of a, a structural or, or, or political issue the we have the technology to be able to say automatically analyze and control uh, systems remotely to, I don't know, reduce a flow rate or, or, or a delta T and, and as a result, save energy. That's, that's not so much of a challenge. The issue, I think, is the disparate players or actors that you have in the market. You've got the landlord, the, the end tenant, the client, you've got the FM company, and there's not enough interplay between those organizations and not enough accountability either to actually make that technology appetizing or appealing to any single one of them because the landlord at the end, they will pass on those energy costs. And while we as HP Rebus have a, a real drive and real interest in, in promoting sustainability, you know, we, we can't be held accountable at the end of the day for the energy that our tenants choose to use. That's that's a decision that they make in their space. Yeah, there, there is a disconnect, isn't there? That, uh, we've had developers, landlords speak at our events who say, uh, yes, we want to do this in our buildings, but ultimately we, we can't force our way over the threshold into a user's uh, you know, an occupier's demise who's on yeah. a 15-year lease and make them change the way they consume and who they get energy from and all the rest of it. So Exactly, exactly. All we can do is, is operate our central plant as effectively as we can, which, which we obviously do, and, and design it as effectively as we can. But at the end of the day, that kind of disparity between the different parties is, is a real limiting factor, especially because it's very expensive to, to implement sort of an automated solution like that. You know, you need a full operational BIM model. There's loads of manual mapping that needs to take place. You have to have kind of rapid data access and the the kind of the, the cost benefit balance just isn't quite there on, on those solutions at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And who, who else do you do you look at when you're sort of benchmarking 
yourselves as are there people that you would say oh those are those are ones to watch or we're trying to be like x um in, in terms of who else is out there on the landscape yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some really great initiatives for knowledge sharing that we're a part of uh, as HB Rivas. I'm a member of the Well Living Lab, for example, which is sponsored by Delos and the Mayo Clinic in the States. Um, and that's a really great knowledge sharing forum. They've done some really interesting research about uh, how COVID is, is spread in buildings. And, and that's something where we've uh, had the opportunity to take part and, and share our findings based on our data. And, and other companies there have been, have been equally open. And that's been brilliant. Um, Equally, I think, you know, from, from a smart buildings perspective, there's a couple of companies which I find personally very inspirational. I think um, Quadriol is, is a really great example in Canada. They're doing some great work around building technology. And equally, some of the uh, some of the big players here are, are starting to make moves in the UK as well. So it's a it's a consensual or, or I guess, a, a common shift in that direction. But I would still say that HP Revis just by the nature of the way that we work as an organization, is, is very much at the cutting edge. And perhaps doesn't, uh, without blowing her own trumpet, doesn't need to look up to too many other businesses in terms of how far we've come with our technology. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, quite, quite right. No offence meant in, uh, in terms of that peerless, of course. Um, and, and, and you're quite close to, to what's happening at the Centre for Digital Built Britain as well. Um, is, is that an initiative that, um, that you deplore? Do you think that's, that's going well? Yeah, that's what's going on over at the Centre for Digital Built Britain is, is really brilliant. I mean, they've got the, the National Digital Twin Programme, which is coming out of the University of Cambridge. And that's actually predominantly focused on digital twins for infrastructure. So how we can optimise train networks, water networks, uh, electricity networks around the country. But I think there's a real recognition that buildings are such a crucial piece of the puzzle. Because if you think that, that most goods and, and people, their journeys start and end in a building of some description, if you can start capturing that movement and start understanding how people use, say, a city or even a country at that that kind of scale, then you can drive some really amazing improvements to, to how we live our lives with, with sort of live data optimization and, and live service optimization. So it's, it's a great example of different businesses, organizations, thought leaders coming together to try and drive a sort of a central change. And I think, I mean, you mentioned the term benchmarking earlier. That's that's very much something that the Center for Digital Built Britain is trying to do as well as to establish those frameworks that are going to allow different organizations to understand what success looks like. Because that's still, I think, personally, one of the biggest hindrances that we have in the industry is, you know, people don't even know what a smart building is, for example. We're still trying to define that on its own, let alone what smart building success looks like. Is it a measure of how many use cases you've delivered? Is it a measure of how much data is being transferred throughout your building? How much energy you've saved? It's all still open for discussion. And I think until we have kind of a consolidated view or at least a, a framework with, with different measures of success, it's going to be very difficult for people to justify the kind of investment that's required to really achieve the change that we're all hoping for. Yeah, yeah. And is that something that the firms that uh, that you work with in HB Revis buildings are, are asking for in terms of benchmarking themselves against other companies to see see how they're performing or how they're using the space? Yeah, I think um, there's there's definitely an interest in the space usage specifically. I don't think that I've specifically that I've had any requests from companies to say, you know, how much space are we using versus the you know the people upstairs? What's our what's our relative occupancy rate? But it's definitely a question that companies are going to be asking themselves now, right? They're going to be wondering, well, you know, I was using I was at 
I don't know, 80% capacity utilization before. Now, over the course of COVID, I was at, at 10. You know, what, what's my middle ground? How many people actually need to be in the office? And I think because space is probably the second biggest cost that most organizations have after their employees, it's going to be a huge savings opportunity that, that CFOs start to latch onto and start asking themselves, well, you know, how much space do I actually need? And, and perhaps what other models are out there on the market for me that I could latch onto? Yeah. And, and what have you seen in terms of, of usage? Has there been a big shift in, in the last year with everything that's going on? Yeah, so I, I, can, um, I can't share any of our clients' data, but I can link back to our own experience. So we have Symbiosi installed both in our London office and in Bratislava. But in London, we've seen round about 25% maximum capacity. Um, that's gone a little bit above 25% during or, or between the, um, the first and the second lockdown at the end of September, uh, sorry, at the end of August, start of September. And then in, um, in Bratislava, it's been a little bit higher, but actually that's, they've dealt with it a little bit better in Slovakia than we've been able to in the UK. So during that same time period, uh, sort of September, August time last year, they, they were actually pretty much fully back in the office. They were, they were kind of at 60, 70% of, of where they would have been before. So it's been, it's been different stories in different places, I think. And you know, we've been very fortunate within HP Revis offices as well to have, I think, Symbiosi installed with the contact tracing solution that we accidentally developed because that, that's through Quipa as well, through that indoor positioning IoT partner I mentioned. And, and because we've been able to contact trace so effectively in our offices, we've been able to react very quickly and, and have had to actually, unfortunately, on a, on a couple of occasions in Bratislava, but that's just meant that we've, uh, you know, we've been able to have people in and, and, and still keep people safe at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to those people that are, that are listening that, that maybe want to start trying um, so, some different ways of running their offices or their buildings, um, what would be your advice for, for starting out on that journey? Yeah, I think there's there's lots of different steps that you can take, and, and perhaps the most basic ones revolve around just providing transparency to your own colleagues and, and employees. You know, having a effective desk booking solution that with an administration console where you can implement social distancing, perhaps find out how busy the office is on a certain day or a certain time, and also understand which of your your close colleagues that you're trying to work with are are in on that day. All that information at your fingertips is, is, is going to allow you to use the space effectively, even at a reduced capacity. So I think one of the main one of the main bugbearers that we've heard most recently is that people have been using these desk booking applications and they've not been able to see uh, which their colleagues are in. So they just go in and sit on Teams calls all day anyways when they're in the office. Yeah, I think that's something that we've really looked to solve with our latest development on that front. And, and hopefully, um, you know, with that being launched now, that'll be a feature that our customers can take advantage of as well. Yeah, seeing who it is rather than uh, just anonymous. Um, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's that's really fascinating. Thank you. Um, any final sort of predictions or things to to watch out in terms of the trends for the next twelve months as we're in week one? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it might be a little bit too early to call in many ways. But like I said at the start, I think we'll we'll see a sort of the final discovery phase now, where um we see a consolidation, if you like, of what this this COVID new normal looks like. And then towards the, I think, the beginning of the next tax year, I think there'll be some decisions made. I think um, the way that people lease space will change. I think perhaps the, the the way that people use space will change as well. I can see the the kind of the ratio of open plan desks to meeting rooms uh, shrinking even further. Um, I can see companies signing up to sort of global subscriptions for flex office space. 
so that you know they can reduce their their hub, their main office in the city center, and then start uh, start taking advantage of, of flex offerings like the one that, that we provide in, in Hub Hub. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, I think it's it's going to move very very quickly in that direction. Uh, perhaps in in some places faster than others, but I think London will definitely be on the cusp of that change. Yeah, it's a subscription world that we're living in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything on demand. Absolutely. That's great. Thank you for joining us, Stefan. I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Thank you for having me, Paul. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to this latest episode of the Place Tech podcast, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you.